Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Heat Nation, welcome to the Believe in the Miami Heat podcast. I'm your co-host, Sean, and with me today, the two-time NBA champ with your Miami Heat, Norris Cole. The champ is here! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Heat Nation, the champ is in the building. Love it. So the podcast has been on about a month-long break, and I'm excited to be working with Norris, talk Heat basketball with you guys. We're going to do an episode each week. Uh, moving through the off season, and then uh, obviously once we get things going again in the next season, we'll be jumping right into that. So before we discuss the Buck series, let's just catch up, Norris. What's been going on with you? Well, I've been in Lyon, France. We're getting towards the end of the season, about to move towards a uh, postseason play, and then I'll be on my way back home to America, which I'm excited about. <laughs> we're on an 11 game win streak too. We're on a 12. Actually, we're on a 12 game win streak you know, in the league out here. So, you know, I'm excited about that. Shout out Asville. Well, I can hear the excitement in your voice. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you're having a good time there and enjoying that experience. And, and, and obviously winning helps that, but there's no place like home, right? Absolutely. Just keep winning these games and then I'll be on the first flight back. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. So speaking of the first flight, uh, the Miami heat, Milwaukee bucks, uh, we caught the first flight back home out of the playoffs, unfortunately. So <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to start this uh, this podcast with you on such bad terms with the Heat. Let's talk about it. What happened in that Milwaukee Bucks series? First, you just have to give credit to the Milwaukee Bucks. They were a much better team than they were last season in the bubble. Um, they were mentally tougher. They made adjustments, in-game adjustments. You know, obviously, the Heat struggled offensively and defensively, but especially offensively, the Heat struggled a lot. You know, it got to go back to the drawing board, but I have to say Milwaukee, they look championship caliber. There's not many teams that can make Miami Heat look the way they did. And right off the bat, uh, one thing I noticed was during crunch time situations, they were able to move Giannis off the ball and put him in the dunker. And Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday handled the ball and took the big shots and allowed Giannis to rebound and get tip-ins and create second opportunities. They were also able to, Giannis worked on his game a little bit. He was hitting that back shoulder fadeaway on the left block. And if he can continue to hit those shots and Chris Middleton can continue to play like how he's played and the addition of Drew Holiday has been like impeccable, they can beat anybody. But as far as the Heat, our hometown team, you know, we got some work to do. Um, Obviously, you know, Jimmy Butler struggled. He's our franchise player. Offensively, he struggled, but he he also did a lot of other good things. You know, he did have a triple double in the last game, and he's obviously he gets assists and he defends hard and rebounds. But I don't think we had enough firepower offensively. I really don't. I think we struggle with that, and that's that's going to have to be addressed. Yeah, you know, you look at the offense, and for the season we were right around league average. We had about a one twelve offensive rating in that series against the Bucks, a ninety nine offensive rating, which is not good at all. At all. Um, you know, what did you see? You know, one of the things the Bucks do that's very similar to the Heat is they try to protect the paint. That's sort of the priority of both of our defenses. And they were mm-hmm. pretty willing to give up the mid-range shot, uh, whether it was the drop coverage or just simply, you know, their willingness to protect the paint, give up mid-range or even give up threes. And, and really the difference was they made those shots and we didn't. Well, what did you see about, and not just focusing on Bam Adebayo, because that's the person that has been really pointed at in terms of those mid-range shots, but those are shots that Kendrick and Tyler and Goron and Jimmy all got also. And unfortunately they didn't go in for us. Well, that's at the end of the day, sometimes it's real simple. It's not very complicated. You either make or you miss. And the mid range, I know the NBA is starting to get a little bit away from it, but teams that can make the mid range shots normally win. It's not just threes and layups. You know, you have to be able to make those mid-range shots. And teams that can make those mid-range in-between shots normally have elite offenses and normally are tough to guard. Those shots were there. Those shots were available, but they didn't make it. When you can defend the paint, what that really means is it's not so much that you're defending all, like, two-pointers. What it means is you don't want to give up direct line drives that can create wide-open threes. 
know, when you give up direct lines to the paint, then somebody has to help, then you that's when you get bombarded from three, not just layups. And so Milwaukee and the Heat, that's what we focus on defensively. And Milwaukee was able to shut that paint off to where there were no direct downhill drives. So there were no triggers. There were no two-on-one triggers to where we could, you know, start that pass, pass, swing, swing, shot, swing, swing, drive, kick threes because they shut that down. On the other end, the, the Heat were not able to do it, you know, to Milwaukee. Milwaukee was able to get downhill, get some fouls, get downhill, get kick out, swing, swing threes, and, and, and that was basically the ball game. Yeah, and that's a great point. The the fact that the driving kick game couldn't happen and, and mm-hmm. not just talking about getting in the paint in terms of, like, posting up, but right. it's, it's it resulted in almost everything falling apart because we were unable to get to that one action. You know, looking at Brooke Lopez and his impact, not mm. even he had a statistical impact, but the impact that he had in in walling up that paint. He's I a mean, mountain down there. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and you just it's crazy because ultimately we didn't do anything that drew him out. There was no reason for him ever to adjust because whether it was Bam not making his shots or taking those shots but also just the inability for our guards to make those shots. It was almost as if he felt like I can just sit back here and I'll be in perfect rebounding position because right now y'all aren't making those shots. Absolutely. That's, that's what you call on offense. You make them pay in the heat. We're, we're not able to make him pay, you know, Mount Lopez down there. He was like a mountain in the paint, able to contest everything. And so the only way to draw him out is to make those two point jump shots to make those dribble handoff threes, you know, he never had to because, you know, we didn't make those shots consistently. Next round, I know we're talking about the Heat, but next round, that's going to be the test. If, um, you know, Brooklyn Nets can can draw him out, you know, they'll have success. But if they can't, you know, I like Milwaukee's chances. Yeah, and we're going to get to that later. What mm-hmm. do you think, you know, not to keep talking about Bam, but, you know, the discussion that's been had about him taking those mid-range shots, whether it's this series or this season – He's actually shot them pretty well. Um, he's yeah, around man. like seventh or eighth, I believe, in this in the NBA for centers in terms of making shots from around 14 to 16 feet. So it's not that he can't do it. I mean, he's developed that part of his game. And remember, you know, people forget he's 23 years old. Exactly. He's in his third. You know, it's it's not like he's a finished product. When you talk about Bam in this series, he he just didn't look at times whether it was willing or he was kind of caught in between initiating offense, doing the dribble handoffs, or just, you know, looking at the basket and just taking a shot. What did you see on that? Yeah, I I noticed that. I noticed sometimes he wouldn't take them. Then I noticed that sometimes he would. I'm not sure what he was thinking, but I'll say this. He's capable, and I believe he should shoot them more. All the great power forwards, you know, that were at his size could make them. Kevin Garnett, Dirk Nowinski, Amari Steinemeyer, Zach Randolph, all the guys, you know, the power fours in the era right before him. You know, even Tim Duncan could step out and make those shots, you know, you know, 12, 14 feet. So all the guys that played at his size that could do sort of his skill set, what he does, can make those shots. And when he makes those shots, it makes the offense even more deadly because the big now has to be up on him on those dribble handoff actions, which allows guards to be able to turn the corner. And so I would encourage him to shoot them. I know, you know, some people have different philosophies on shooting mid-range shots, but I would encourage him to continue to work on that, continue to shoot it, shoot it with confidence, because it's only going to make the offense that much more lethal. You know, it goes right back to what you talked about with those straight line drives. You give him the ball at the elbow where he can attack off of one dribble, it's mm. almost impossible to help. I mean, that should Absolutely. be his area that he's almost unguardable if he catches there. He can either shoot that shot, he can get there in one dribble, he's got counters to his moves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, thinking back, and, and Chris Bosh always had that mid-range shot, but he had, that, sure. he had that challenge of moving it back to the three-point line. And I think that's maybe a few years from now, but, you know, he had to get confidence in that. And I think there's a lot of similarities, and, and you'll, you'll be able to speak to this better than I can, that Bam and Chris Bosh were very similar in that they were always trying to be very efficient players. You know, they weren't the, they weren't the type of guys that are just going to jack up shots for the sake of getting shots. Yeah, they're not volume shooters. No, no, no. So it, it, do you think that's part of it, is that Bam is so focused on being efficient and not so much like I'm just going to take a shot because it's there when it's presented to me? Well, that's kind of like a Miami Heat culture thing, not wasting possessions, not wasting shots, being efficient. But – you know, in this in this NBA, you have to have attempts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Teams that have attempts on, on the goal normally have good offenses when you have talented players. And Bam is one of those young, 
talented players. And so, you know, when he's aggressive, like I say, I believe the Heat's offense is, is a lot better. And I think he can be efficient and more aggressive. Not everybody can do both. Some guys need volume in order to make it. Some guys don't need so much volume because if they get volume, it, they percentages drop. So I think he's a he's a guy who can who can shoot a little bit more and be a little more aggressive and he can be efficient. But it's not just him, though. The guys around him coming off those dribble handoffs have to be able to make plays and make shots as well because that's only going to make things better for him. And he, like you said, he, he has to start working on that spot up three just to be able to make one out of every three or four, just to be mm -hmm. a threat. You know, he not he don't have to become a three point shooter just to be a threat so that that, you know, sort of those centers that's guarding him can't just be in a total drop. Yeah, I, I don't. But I don't, I don't you know, Bam, I don't think he was the issue. I mean, obviously, he could have played better, but I don't think he was the issue. I think, you know, the, the perimeter scoring was not at a high enough level to be the team like Milwaukee. That was that, that's what I got from the offense. And then Jimmy Butler, obviously, you know, we needed him to play at a you know, superstar level that we know he is, but obviously he struggled from the floor shooting the ball. So, and it happens, you know, it happens. Yeah. And I think both of those guys you mentioned, and I think it's part of heat culture is embrace this struggle, embrace mm -hmm. what happened and use that as motivation this summer to get better, whether it's individually or as a team, we're not the type of organization that makes excuses. We're not going right. to blame, you know, the short layoff or the injuries or COVID or whatever it was, which are all valid by the way. Oh, a hundred percent. All those they're not excuses, but all those reasons are very valid, but go ahead. Yeah. And I just think it's something that it's unfortunate. And as a fan, you know, when you're watching this happen, you're disappointed, but at the mm -hmm. same time, sometimes you need that bump in the road to get yourself motivated to go to the next level. That's the, that's the fact. Like you said, we don't, we don't make excuses in Miami, but all of those things did happen. COVID happened. It was real. <laughs> the short layoff, no training camp, which we know the Miami heat is one of those old school organizations. Training camp is a very key part of building the culture, especially for young guards, you know, like none and like hero and, you know, new additional players that's coming in, you know, that, that training camp is vital. You know, they weren't able to do that. And then during the year players in and out of the lineup because of protocol and things of that nature. So you know, we don't make excuses, but those things did happen. And I think those things played a part in this season. And now that the season's over, guys can refresh, guys can get healthy, guys can rest and they can work on their game. Yeah, I agree. Let's look a little bit at the defensive end. We touched a lot there about offense. The Bucks, 120 offensive rating, which is Ooh. just a little bit above their season average. Um, so it, it seemed like we couldn't stop anything. You know, they were getting to the rim. They were hitting their mid-range. They were lighting us up from three. It was like, you know, that analogy of like a, a sinking ship. You had holes all over the place. And every time we plugged one hole, another, another hole popped one. up. <laughs> you know, it was crazy. And yeah. uh, you you mentioned Drew Holiday earlier. He was plus 98 over the four games. Yes. So right there, I mean, his impact on both ends of the floor was just tremendous. What, what did you see out of Drew? That's why that, that was a blockbuster move. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when, they, when they made that trade happen, that was blockbuster because that's exactly what they were expecting. They were expecting him to come in and, and be that steady rock that he is. He was able to control tempo. He was able to guard at a high level. And he was able to make plays offensively that made the game easier for Giannis and Chris Middleton. You know, they didn't have to be the primary ball handlers anymore. And he also helped create shots for Bryn Forbes and, you know, some of the other key role players. He gave up everything, you know. <laughs> Yeah. It, it was just tough to watch, man, because that's that's not that's not us. You know, they gave up Giannis's drive to the basket. Chris Middleton was making threes from everywhere. Brent Forrest was un, unguardable. It seemed like it was just it was just too much. But I think part of that is the Milwaukee Bucks being ready. Because I remember back in our championship teams, when we played other good organizations, it didn't matter because because it was our time. You know, the the Pacers. Any other year, they might have made it to the finals, but. It was our time, no matter how good or how well coached they were, how tough they were. Like the Heat are well coached. Spo was a Hall of Fame coach. The Heat is a tough, grinded organization, highly, highly competitive. But despite having all that, I think it was just the Bucks' time. You know, they're <laughs> it's their time. They're in their prime. You know, they got their two hundred million dollar player. They got their second best player. They got their third best player in Drew. They got their bench ready their experience. It's just like, it's just their time, man. And when it's their time, it's nothing anybody can do. And too bad it had to be us. <laughs> and Heat Nation yeah. had to, to face it. 
you know, that's the crazy thing to think about is, is one game, you know, one more win. How many times this season, if we, if we get into the list of games that we say we should have won, right. We're going to have a whole couple hour pod. I mean, one more win and you would have been the four seed. You would have played the Knicks most likely in the first round, potentially the Hawks. Oh man. I mean, I love our chances against both of those teams. And I love how Atlanta's playing, but they're not Milwaukee. Right. And I love our chances against the Knicks. And when we saw what they did offensively, they made us look like potentially we're an offensive juggernaut compared to what we did against the Bucks. So, you know, that's just crazy. When you think about over the course of 72 games, just one time, one game mm-hmm. that you change and it makes a difference to the world in, in your playoff matchup. That's why, that's why you can't undermine the regular season. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's another reason why that play-in game, I think, is silly because it, it takes away the, the value of the regular season, man. The regular season counts, as you just said, one yeah. or two more wins and we're the four seed and we don't we won't have to play Milwaukee for, you know, possibly another round, two rounds. You know, we could go through all these hypotheticals, but if you were on the top half of the bracket, now you're playing Philly in the first round. You have an injury to Joel Embiid. You have a completely different matchup. Ifs and buts. In the words of UD, if if was the fifth, we'd all be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So one more thing with this defensive I wanted to point out is the rebounding. And it's been a problem throughout the season is, is giving up offensive rebounds. And it's, I think it's we're undersized in a way. It's also, you know, switching and, and Bam ending up on the outside a lot of the time. But when you look at the series, for, for example, they rebounded almost 33 percent of their misses. We know that's not good. League average is around 25 percent. Like I know as a high school coach, I'm stressing rebounding like all the time. It's it's critically important to having a good defense. And I right. don't think we have a bad defense, but when you give up that many offensive rebounds, it's a problem. I, I want to look back because I remember in your days with the Heat from 2011 to 2014, it was around 30% opponent offensive rebounding rate, which is you know a little higher than league average right now. And we were still successful. We were still a good defensive team. And the other thing about that team was you had guards that were kind of your primary rebounders. If, if you consider LeBron to be a guard, you know, it was kind of inverted. Right. It wasn't like, I mean, I love Joel Anthony and I love, you know, the big guys we had, but they weren't your primary rebounders a lot of the times. So what do you think about that rebounding issue that has popped up quite a bit this season? Well, this season, the Heat was, were an elite defense. Uh-huh. So the, the, we were elite defense all season, but. I believe in the postseason, Milwaukee, you know, has a lot of size. They're going to be tough against anybody. There's not many people that can match up with a Giannis backcourt with the Brooke Lopez, mm-hmm. with the Chris Middleton. That's 6'7", 6'10", 7'1". It's going to be hard for anybody to match up with them and rebound with them. But for us, you know, it's a matter of boxing out, being tough, focus. And then, you know, from a front office standpoint, you know, you have to bring in designated guys that that's what they do. Bring in guys that are actually rebounding. Like Bam is a rebound, but he can't get all the rebounds. Jimmy Butler can rebound, but I mean, he has to do everything for us. You know, (laughs) you don't want to wear him out and say, look, we need you to get 10, 12 rebounds. Like he's capable, but like we also need him to initiate our offense and guard the best perimeter player. And so, yeah, we might have to, you know, we, have, we might have to address that and bring in guys that are designated to do that. But you can be an undersized team and rebound as long as you box out and gang rebound. And because everyone in the NBA is switching nowadays. Sure. You know, and you still have to be able to rebound and start to break the other way. Like our team during the championship years, you know, we had D-Wade and Shane Battier and LeBron and Mike Miller. Those guys are, are tall wings who can rebound. And even, you know, even me and Rio – get those long rebounds and start the break. And so that's just a focus thing. You know, you don't have to be the biggest. It's just a matter of focusing. And obviously UD, he's never been the biggest at his position, but if he plays 10 minutes, he going to get 10 rebounds Mm -hmm. because it's a matter of positioning, boxing out, and then wanting to go get it. You know, whoever's going to come back on the team, you have to have that attitude of if I'm switched out on the big, you know, I got to box his knees out. You know, either I'm going to get it, and if I don't get it, I just got to make sure he don't. And that's the attitude to have. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. So, you know, the season's over now, and with the season coming to an end Monday, the players come into the arena, cleaning out the lockers, kind of the whole season's coming to an end. And, and I wanted to get your feel of, you know, as the season comes to an end, and obviously it was a disappointing way to go out, what's that experience like as someone who's been in that locker room? You kind of know – that the 15 guys that are around you 
are probably not as a whole group coming back together, you know, especially after a disappointing loss. It's a different situation when you've been in two championship locker rooms. That's a whole different type of, uh, you know, experience. Yeah. But coming off of a disappointing loss like that, what's it like when you're you're packing things up and you're kind of heading on, you know, different directions this summer? Honestly, it's not really that big a deal, really. You know, of course, you're disappointed in how the season ended. But once the season ends, you have to think about yourself and your situation. How can you get better as an individual? How can you get your body better? How can you get your skill set better? How can you get your conditioning better? So you turn off almost the team and you have to start focusing on yourself so that you can bring value back to the team. And you control what you can control. You can't control if they're going to resign you back if you're a free agent. You, that's totally out of your control. And you'll stress yourself out if you if you think about it too much. And so talk to everybody, congratulate everyone on the season. Um, you don't burn any bridges because you never know what can happen. You remain a professional, remain a pro. You know, you have your meetings, you remain professional, and then you start focusing on your individual game so that you can bring value to a team. And so what's that meeting like? You know, you, you sit down you know, upstairs in a room with, is it the coaching staff? Is Pat there? Like, what's that conversation like? Um, it's different. It depends who you are. Some people meet with Pat and some people just meet with Spo in the coach's office. And, um, you know, depending on your contract situation, like if you're definitely coming back with the team, that conversation is totally different than a guy who probably just signed near the last month of the season or so. If you're a guy that's probably coming back, Spo is probably going to tell you directly what he wants from you, what he wants to see in your progression. You know, obviously he's going to ask, you know, where, where are you going to be at this summer? You know, when you're going to start back working out, when you're going to take your rest, you know, questions like that. And if you're a younger player, a player that needs significant development, you know, he's probably going to address that as well and let you know, like, hey, these are things that you that you need to probably think about working on. Even if you're not going to be back with us, if you want to survive in this league. Here, here's some things you probably need to work on, you know, and, and continue to develop on. And that's how the conversation goes normally. It's normally a pretty quick, you know, maybe five, 10 minute conversation. He looks you in your eyes, you know, if you have anything to, you know, say and, you know, he gives you that chance, that opportunity. For me, it was pretty relaxed. You know, obviously, you know, winning a championship, okay, but I was a young player. So he was telling me things that, I needed to be working on as well. And I'm sure you as a young player knew you wanted to increase your role. You wanted to build up more minutes. Absolutely. And, um, what I want to do is, is kind of imagine you in that role, you know, kind of put you in the shoes of Pat or Spo. You're in that room and, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a couple of our players. You know, like you said, that meeting's not a talk of, Hey, we want to offer you X amount of money or this many years. It's talking about where can we go from here in terms of player development or what your role may be looking forward. Um, mm -hmm. So we're not going to go through all 15 guys, but we're going to we're going to keep it brief and talk about just a couple of our our key guys. So let's start with Jimmy Butler. So Jimmy walks in the room. What do you you know, where's that conversation go? Well, one, I'm asking, you know, how do your body? How does your body feel? How you feel? Then I'm asking him how much time he's taking, how much time you're going to take off before you, you know, before you get back in the gym. I want you to get some rest. I want you to allow your body and your mind to recover. And then I'm asking, you know, are you, are you going to work out at the facility some this summer? If, if he's going to travel, you know, let's set up some dates where I can meet you, you know, fly out and see you a couple of times while you're working out. Asking his opinion, you know, Jimmy, what you what you think of the season? Uh, what you think of our guys? What, what do you think that we're missing? Because he's your franchise guy. Sure. So, you, you know, you don't want to do all the talking. You want to hear, you know, what he felt because he's the one out there at war. He's the one, you know, in the trenches playing. So, you know, what did you think of what did you think of this season? What you think we were missing? How did you feel with your game? Did how did you feel that we used you? Did you feel used you in a way that can maximize our team or your potential? And he he's going to give you the honest answer. Jimmy's very honest. And, and then after that, you can say, you know, well, look, yeah, we struggled in this area this season, and we're going to have to address that in the front office, but. Well, this is what I'm going to want you to work on. You know, we need that that firepower offensively. We're going to need you to keep working on that three ball, you know, so that when when the offense is struggling, we can go to you and you can give us, you know, everything. And, and you know, have a nice, you know, have a nice summer. Enjoy your family. And I'll see you in a few weeks because I'm sure you'll be around Miami, you know, because everyone comes to Miami summertime. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's how that will go with Jimmy. Pretty easy. And, and you can be like. Uh, we'll probably be talking another couple of weeks because you talk to your franchise player more often, you know. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna pose one more thing with Jimmy. Andy Ellisberg walks in the room, and uh, we're talking extension. <laughs> we're talking extension now. What do you, what are your thoughts? This this max extension, <laughs> that type of talk. I know you don't want to talk about another man's money, but 
Yeah, man. Neither, I neither one of us are signing uh, the checks, right? Mr. Harrison's right, right, signing right. those checks. But, you know, I would just say, just throw it in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> just give sign him, it, man. Give, Whatever give he wants, you got to give him the bag. But, 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 now nah, you have to look at what do you feel the team needs? Do you feel like the team needs another, you know, and where are we at in the salary cap? If we can afford to give him the max bag and get another max player, that's one thing. If we can only afford to sign one max player and then, you know, sign someone to a little bit less, those are conversations you have to think about and have. Jimmy's value to the Heat, you know, he shouldn't be getting anything less than a max or something very close to it. Because you got to think, when I played the big three, they all sacrificed. They were all getting max dollars, but they all could have been getting more. And so they all was able to sacrifice. And so if you come to him and say, look, Jimmy, we love you. We would love to give you the max and we would give you the max. But if you take a little less than the max, we could probably bring in more help to help you win. What do you think of that? And Jimmy can say, nah, just the max and that's it. Or he can say, you know what? I'll take a little less, but make sure we use that and bring in some some real firepower to help me out. And I think you know, those are the conversations that that'll be had. And it's a great comparison because the willingness to take less is what allowed them to squeeze in Udonis and think about his role on those teams. I mean, exactly. you could argue you're not winning championships about him because of his role on defense, the toughness, the leadership, rebounding, all those different things. That's a great point because if yeah. you could say, hey, Jimmy, if you take a little bit less, you know, you're not insulting him, but take a little right. bit less so that we can squeeze in whatever this player is, that's a conversation that I don't think you're offending him. You're trying to get him help. Right. And as an organization, you're not offended if he says, no, I want my full max because he's out there laying it out every day. So if he does say, no, I want the full, you, you know, Hey, you bless him with that. Cause he's, he's giving you everything he has. And luckily we have Andy Ellisberg, who's one of the best at maneuvering through a spreadsheet, through a calculator to figure out how to make all this stuff fit. They they always find a way in Miami. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Always find the way. All right, so we got our next player coming in. We got Duncan Robinson. What's your conversation with Duncan? Hey, Duncan, how you doing? Man? Good. How's your body feeling? What did you think of this last series against Milwaukee? What did you think of this season? How you regard it compared to your rookie season? What do you feel like you need to work on this upcoming summer? You know, you ask them the question first. And then obviously, because he's a shooter, first thing, you know, he has to be in condition. Be in condition, try to expand your range. Try to expand your catch one dribble pull up because guys are closing out on you now. Like JJ Reddick, he's a great catch and shoot, but he can also catch, take one dribble and shoot as well. Catch one, two dribble and shoot as well. And so, you know, that's the conversation I would have with Duncan. And then from the front office point of view, you have to figure out, you know, his value. You know, obviously he deserves the upgrade in the pay payday department, but how much though? And he's a restricted free agent. So even if he does go out and test the market, you always have that opportunity to match whatever he does sign to. Exactly. Um, all right. So our next person, Bam Adebayo. Oh, Bam, the Bam conversation is going to go similar to the Jimmy conversation because he's he's a cornerstone. So you're going to ask him, what did he see? What did he feel as our weaknesses? You know, what does he feel, how we used him? Where does he see us, the direction that we're going? Challenge him on some things, you know. I challenge you to come back, you know, with the three-point shot corner, a corner three, and the top of the key three. Those are like the easiest set shot three. So I challenge you to work on that part of your game. I challenge you to be a more efficient mid-range shooter like Chris Bosh, like Kevin Garnett, you know, you know, in that type of you know, form. You know, I challenge you to take that next step into being a two-way all-star. You know, you challenge him because he's a young player. So you give him a challenge. I back next year and be all defensive team defensive player of the year and an all-star. And that's how that conversation will go with Bam because he's already got the bag. With Duncan, you talked about the one dribble pull-up. And one person I really like to follow as a coach is Drew Hanlon. And he talks a lot about in his development with his guys, he tries to focus on just one thing. We're not trying to improve on 15 things, but like one single, you know, whether it's a one dribble pull-up, whether it's a shot fake into, you know, a, a, a driving move. What If you could say Bam, and I know this isn't the case, but one thing, is it the three? Is it the mid-range? What is it? I'm going to say it's the mid-range because that's going to be the position where he's going to be at the most. Mm-hmm. It has to, it's, he has to be comfortable shooting it. Yeah. Has to be. And not just shooting it. He has to be comfortable shooting it and making it in clutch time situations because anybody can shoot it in the first quarter, second quarter. But are you going to shoot it when we down three or we down five? Are you going to come down and make three or four of those shots in a row and bring us mm-hmm. back? 
Are you gonna, you know, are you gonna shoot it when you just missed two in a row and they put that drop defense and leave you wide open? Are you gonna still have the confidence to knock it down? So I would say, you know, get that mid range. And I and I agree with that. We saw it against the Brooklyn Nets. He hit that game winner. Absolutely. But then you look at this last series where it looked like he was unwilling to take it. And that's I think the frustrating thing sometimes when you're watching the games as a Heat fan is that that confidence that seems to be lacking. All right, so let's go to our next player. Let's go to Kendrick Nunn, another restricted free agent. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, well, I, I, when I, was, I, I always start off asking a question, you know, what did you think of your season? Do you see yourself being back with us? And, I mean, not with the money. Let's say, you know, in the perfect ideal situation, if, you, if we got the money that you wanted, do you see yourself being with us long term? Do you see yourself fitting in with us? What did you like? What did you dislike? Uh, what do you, what do you feel like you need to work on? And then after that, as a coach, you know, I would tell him he needs to work on consistency. You know, ask him to, you know, continue to work on off the dribble, pull up shot from two behind the screen when the defense goes under, you know, that three point shot. Because his his ability to score off the dribble is what makes him special in this league. And so if he could become more consistent with that, that pull up two pointer and that that three ball off the dribble when the defense goes under the screen. You know, he can he can have a long career in this league. All right, my next guy is Tyler Hero. We're gonna have a kind of a similar conversation, I think, here. Uh, with Tyler, obviously I'm always gonna ask what he thought, but as far as his development, we gotta focus, man. We gotta focus on getting better, focus on consistency, focus on like committing to the game of basketball and being consistent. Tyler's a gym rat. That's what people don't know. He's already a gym rat. I know people say a lot about his off the court you know, businesses and relationships and things like that. But he's a gym rat. He loves the game. But this year, you know, he has to have a concerted effort of focus and making sure that he has a rebound season from last season. It's going to affect, you know, whether or not what type of extension he's going to get. This this next season is very crucial in, in the direction in which people are going to see him. And however they see you is going to be how they pay you. And so, you know, he needs to make sure he's focused and in that gym, making sure his body is right, making sure his conditioning is right, you know, making sure his tools, you know, making sure his offensive tools are sharp. And he has to work on defense too, man. It's one thing if you're struggling offensively, but, you know, you can still be on the court if, you, if you're not a liability defensively. But if you're a struggling offensive player and you're a liability on defense, you can't even be on the court. And so, you know, he has to just make sure he has a concerted effort of, you know, being consistent, focusing on the game of basketball, and then being in shape to be a defender as well, a better defender. You don't have to be a shutdown defender, but you have to be able to be solid on the defensive end. All right, let's shift into this last segment. So talking, you know, getting away from the Miami Heat now for just a second, talking about these other series, some great playoff basketball going on around the league right now. Uh, as we record this on Thursday night, the big game tonight is the Lakers. Uh, Lakers, at, mm-hmm. or Lakers at home against the Suns are down 3-2. You've been in this situation with LeBron James before. Uh, game six, a must-win situation. Uh, he, you know, 2012 in Boston, 2013 against the Spurs. Mm-hmm. What is it like, not just playing with LeBron James, but just as a player in this situation where you know it's all on the line? Well, every situation is different, honestly. You know, depending on your teammates and depending on your role on the team, obviously he's in year 18 now. You know, he's not he's not 28-year-old LeBron like he was with us, 29, 30-year-old. You know, he's at a different part of his career. But at the end of the day, he has to put his Superman cape on, you know, at least at least for one night, you know, really two nights to get out this series. Sure, <laughs> but sure. for sure, in order to get to a game seven, I think he's going to have to put his Superman cape on and give us one of those vintage LeBron performances. And hopefully that his teammates can – can feed off of that because he's going to need them, no matter how well he plays, he's going to need them to knock down timely shots. And that's the one thing we were able to do in Miami. Whenever he had those monster nights, you know, we were able to still knock those timely shots down when he needed us to. And then the nights where he struggled, you know, other players were able to step up and have big games. And so he's going to have to have a monster night because clearly his teammates are, are, are struggling right now. And I think if they see him, if they see him stepping up, if they see him with confidence and being aggressive, I think they'll follow his lead. If not, if not, they'll be going home. So I want to kind of expand on what you just said, because, you know, just talking about you and in, in, in Rio, there's 
something that you guys never lacked and that's confidence and, and being guys that whether you were starting or coming off the bench, you know, whichever role you were in, you were able to step into the role and feel confident coming off the bench, whether you played six minutes, 12 minutes, 18 minutes, whatever, and playing Mm -hmm. off of, you know, it it wasn't necessarily your team, obviously it was LeBron and Dwayne and and Chris, but you had to star in your role in those whatever minutes it was that coach Spolster put you in for. How do you approach that? I mean, LeBron has the pressure on him, but the role guys have pressure on him too, certainly. Absolutely. Um, That's just come from the work ethic, man. Mm -hmm. Putting your work in and then being ultra competitive. Like coming off of a bad game, I was like, I couldn't wait to play in another game. Like to show like, hold up, that bad game was fluke. Mm-hmm. Let me show you what I'm really about. Be careful Especially, using that, that fluke word. You got to be careful around that. Yeah, you're right, right, right you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I didn't mean anything by it, people. I'm sorry. That, you know, if I played a bad game, I wanted to show that that was not the real me. <laughs> yeah. That that wasn't the real case. You know, I wanted to get back out there and show what I'm really about. And that was just a competitive fire. And his teammates have to, they have to be competitive, man. Like your competitive edge is not going to let you play a whole game and have zero points. You can't do that, man. (laughs) You can't do that. Not when your team is dependent on you. You know, you can't have plays drawn up for you and then the play gets the ball gets to you and then you don't shoot it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you can't get gunshot now, especially with one of the big guns down. When one, when one of the big three didn't play, you know, we was never happy about it, but, Man, that's more opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> that's up. more. That's that's more shots. That's more dribbles. That's more time to make plays. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't see that fire like that out there. And yeah. I, and I don't know why. I don't you know what's going on. But like, LeBron needs that. Like he used to feed off of my youth, off of my energy. Like you know, he's looking for different challenges during the games and stuff like that. And when he see like young fella running fast, young fella encouraging, you know, shooting with confidence, it's like okay. All right, he he ready. They ready. Let me let me go. Let me go ahead and finish this thing for him. And he and he needs some of that right now. He need Caruso. He needs Schroeder. He need Carwell Pope. He need those guys to give him some life, give him some energy. And and right now that's not happening. All right, so I'm gonna make you make a prediction. Are, are the Lakers gonna win? What do you think is gonna happen in the series? Don't do that, please. Don't uh. do that. Uh, mm, I'll say this: if the role players play how they've been playing, no, they won't win tonight. They won't win, regardless of if LeBron scored 40. If the, if the role players play the way that they've been playing, it won't happen. You know, this is why it's important. They say stars win championships, and the stars get you there, but your role players got to come through for you. Yep. you know, the, and, and that's just a fact. The stars is going to get you there and put you in position, but the role players have to come through. And if, if they don't come through tonight, you know, the Lakers, you know, you know they're they going to go home. All right, so we're going to move over to one of the other Western matchups in that Portland and Denver series. And Tuesday night, Damian Lillard, uh, 55 points, 12 three-point made. What, as someone who is a good defender, what do you do? I mean, if you had to guard Damian Lillard in that situation, how many times in that game where he was just lighting him up, what do you do besides just pray and hope? Is there anything <laughs> skill-wise or strategically you can try to do? Well, some of the times there's nothing you really can do, but you, know, you want to try to just play to his tendencies. Every player has tendencies. Great players, you know, even great players have like things that they don't have a higher percentage on. Like say, for instance, a, a guy might shoot 55% going right and he might shoot 47% going left. 47% is still dang good. It's still really good. But you live with him killing you going left than going right because – Going left, he might get 30. Going right, he can get 50, like, like he yeah, did. Yeah. So I just try to play the tendencies, try to be more physical, foul him a little bit, you know, rough him up a little bit. Not that that's going to really work, but you got to try everything. You have to sure. you, you have to try to make it, you know, a little bit ugly because clearly, you know, you're not going to stop him just playing a clean game. And then in those situations at the end of the game, I'm not sure what the team strategy is, but at least one of those times, fouling, making shoot two free throws instead of making the three. And I'm not saying do that every time, but they was in that situation like three or four times when they could have did that. And after he made the first two, 
clearly on the third time, you got to foul him, you know. They still won the game without doing it, so obviously they probably won't make that adjustment. But for me, I would have definitely fouled him a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to ask about the fouling. So the fear, I guess, some people have is Lillard is so good, and, and, and NBA guards are so good now. The James Hardens, Kyrie, all these oh, guys unbelievable. drawing fouls. So getting your hand in there and trying to – to get that foul and put him at the line for two. So we can't get the three. Are you afraid that he's going to get into a shooting motion? It's, it's just such a difficult gamble, I guess. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yes, yeah, it is a gamble when the guy's dribbling, looking at you because they can get to the shooting pocket, but I'm talking about throughout the game, wearing on them throughout the game, man, but you have to be in shape for that. Cause you know, they're in shape. Yeah. So it's just those times when he's, you know, maybe off the ball and running through the lane, you step in front of him and bump him a little bit, you know, you know, when he's dribbling the ball smooth up the court all slow, you know, you kind of, you know, press up on him, make him turn his back, you know, reach in there, slap in there, make sure, you know, make sure he's on on, on guard. Don't let him get too, too comfortable with the rhythm of the game. Because once they master, you know, any great player, they're going to be great anyway. When they can control the whole pace of the game, you don't stand a chance. So as a defender, you know, I'm trying to throw that rhythm off. I'm, I'm reaching in, smacking, you know, smacking there a little bit when he cut through you know, try to bump him a little bit, you know, just little things to try to throw his timing off. And then when he makes it, you know, good shot, move on. <laughs> I just got visions of the uh, end of Lynn's sanity in my head as you talked about that. I just started yes, thinking sir. about you and Rio going after Jeremy Lynn. Not that we're comparing him to Damian Lillard I'm about at to all. say, I'm about to say it's levels to this. De- yeah, yeah, Jeremy yeah. Lynn is not the same, but yeah. at that point in time, Lynn's sanity was the, was the most phenomenal thing the NBA had ever seen. Mm-hmm. Literally, if he took the league by storm eight straight games. Yep. But just like that, you know, you obviously it probably won't be like that. But that game, we were going to be physical, very physical. We were going to pressure him, you know, full court turning. You know, we were going to make the game very, very uncomfortable. And then we also know, as any good defender will tell you, you have to know where your help is. You're not guarding Dame Miller one on one. It's not happening. You know, so you have to know where your help is and kind of guide him to that help. What but do you think? Dame, Dame was in the same position, kind of like LeBron has been in. You know, he needs someone else to step up. Like, they didn't double team him because other players wasn't stepping up. So they was like, yeah, he's scoring, but no one else is killing us, so we don't have to double team. But, you know, when, other, when the other players can step up, it makes it hard. How do you think that series is going to end? It's another one of those 3-2. That's a toss-up, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. It's tough because I, I would love to see Dame Lillard advance, man. I really would, but at the same time, the Joker and what he's doing this year has been phenomenal. When, when Jamal Murray went out, it's like he was already carrying a torch. But when Jamal Murray went out, it's like he took his game to a even another level. So I'm kind of salty that this series is gonna have to end, honestly. But I think the Denver altitude. Then they have to go to Portland, and if they win, they have to come back to the altitude. So yeah. I think I think that is going to be the difference in this series, honestly. All right, so let's just look real quick at these uh, these other series before we uh, close this up. So Eastern Conference, we know the matchups. We got Nets and Bucks. It's going to be, I think, just an epic second-round matchup. And I know you talked about the Bucks earlier, and what do you, what do you expect? And, and maybe a prediction if you want to go that route. Uh, this is the series for me. Th- whoever wins this, this series is going to win the championship, in my opinion. Or they're going to be the favorite. It, as long as everyone's healthy, I believe that whoever wins this series is going to end up being the favorite to win it all. I believe Milwaukee is the best matchup against Brooklyn in the whole NBA. I don't think anyone else matches up well against Brooklyn Nets other than Milwaukee because of their size, because of Giannis, Drew, and uh, Chris Middleton. I think I think they and Brent Forbes shooting compared to uh, Joe Harris's three point shooting, like like they have the matchup to to be able to give Brooklyn the, the most problems. But that offense is a real juggernaut. Mm-hmm. You know, KD, KD, James Harden, Kyrie, they put one forty six up in regulation one game. <laughs> and so if they get it going, there's nothing you can really do. But they don't play great defense, and you know Giannis, Giannis just like KD is a KD like is a matchup nightmare. Giannis is a matchup nightmare mm-hmm. for the Bucks, and they're not going to be able to take away everything because of the shooting Milwaukee has. And if they can continue to shoot the three ball well, 
this could be the upset pick, man. This could be the upset. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Lopez gave us so much trouble and what they do with him because they have Blake, they have DeAndre Jordan, they play Bruce Brown there as sort of a small ball center. Nick Claxton, mm-hmm. each of them kind of changes the way that the Nets play. And right. can, they, can they ultimately pull him out, which we couldn't do? And if they can pull him out, I think that is advantage Nets. If it's the other way, I think it, it gets an advantage Milwaukee potential. Well, they're not going to pull him out. I mean, if they have to, they just have to take him out the game. Brooke Lopez sure. is not going to be up hedging <laughs> on screen and rolls. And maybe He's you see gonna... P.J. Tucker more? Yeah, P.J. You probably had to see. But 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 you can leave him out there because on the other end. Sure. Who's going to match up? Because he can pick and roll. He can short roll and he can pop. Yep. And he can offensive rebound. Who's going to keep him off the glass? Yeah. And so – it might be he might he might be a little bit of a liability defense maybe but when they miss he's gonna get the rebound to be honest so he's gonna be having value where he might struggle in other areas he's gonna still have value in other areas and so I still think he can play a big role Brook Lopez because he can post up which can get you know those other guys in foul trouble because they don't have to guard him and you don't want KD guarding too much. You know, you don't want that because he's going to be in foul trouble. And same with Giannis. Giannis is going to get a lot of people in foul trouble down there on that short, you know, short corner on being in the dunker position. And then obviously Giannis is going to rebound. He's going to crash the board. So they have the they have the kryptonite, but good offense beats good defense. And if those three get going offensively, just good luck. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's going to be one to watch. What do you think yeah. about Sixers and Hawks? If Joel Embiid is healthy and plays, is no question Philly. But I don't know how much this. Uh, they say he has a uh, a slight tear in his meniscus, so I'm not sure how that's going to impact his mobility. Because in that pick and roll with Trey Young, if you're not mobile, you're in trouble, <laughs> major trouble. But the experience with Doc Rivers and you no know, uh, Tobias Harris and Seth Curry and you know, Dwight and all those guys, I think Philly should win. But if Joel Embiid is compromised and can't be himself, it'd be a much closer series. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's look back over to the West side. Uh, the only series we haven't talked about, Clippers-Mavs. Mavs up 3-2. Woo! Crazy. No no home team has won a game yet. Doesn't make any sense. But what do you think? <sighs> this, is, this, this is the thing. If the Clippers can get out of this series – they have a legit chance of winning the championship. But I don't know if they are because Luca the Don is – I've never seen anybody do Kawhi Leonard and Paul George the way this guy is doing them. I've never seen that before. I, I mean, seriously, I, I've seen Kawhi guard everybody. I've never seen him struggle with a matchup like this. And so it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I think that the winner of game five normally wins the series. And because Dallas took care of business with that, um, I'm going to go with them. It wouldn't surprise me if the Clippers won, but I'm going with Dallas because they took care of game five. So they got themselves a little cushion. Yeah, there's a lot of intrigue going on with these series. I mean, every almost every one down the board we talked about, it's you could go either way. I mean, it's it's great for the NBA that you have this much interest in these series in the first round. And it's only going to get better from here. Yeah. This much parody too, because that's what happens with the shortened season though. Things that probably wouldn't normally happen. Cause I'm, I'm sure if you had a full off season with a full training camp, I'm sure the order, the seed, the seedings would be different. I, I can't say hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure certain teams that were certain seeds this year wouldn't be that high. And some of the lower seeds would be a lot higher. Like the Lakers would for sure be a higher seed if sure. it wasn't a short turnaround. Miami Heat would have probably been a much higher seed without the short turnaround. You know, no offense to, you know, Phoenix or, you know, the Hawks or, you know, Utah Jazz or anything like that. But I don't think that they would be the one seed or the two seed or the four seed in the East if it was a full, you know, a full season, full recovery, so to speak. I mean, it's possible that they could, but I don't see the Lakers being that low of a seed, you know, with a full, <laughs> with a full offseason. I just don't see that. Same with Boston, you know, with the COVID and with the injuries, they needed a full offseason to recover. If Boston had a full training camp and everything like that, I think that they would have had a much higher seating and would have been much better. So you're you're pushing me to this. They called the fluke last year, bubble fluke. Mm-hmm. If anything, this year is the one with more of the 
irregular stuff going on. I mean, I don't think you put an asterisk on the season by any means, but last year, everybody had the same situation with that rest. And then going into the bubble this year, everybody's been impacted differently. Everybody had a different amount of rest. It's right. a lot more chaotic this year than last year. It has been pretty chaotic. The only, only thing I would say about that is players are able to be at their homes. Playing in a bubble, you got guys that live in mega mansions having to stay in hotel rooms. <laughs> guys that's used to being in total control of their life and their situation, being told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, mentally kills a lot of guys. You know, you're talking about multi, multi-millionaire. Just think guys, not everybody, but, you know, the superstar guys, I mean, they pull up to you know, 25,000 square feet mansions, you know, like yeah. now they can confine to hotel rooms for what 90, a hundred days. You talking about can't see their wife and kids until the playoff series or whatever. It's like, you know, mentally that last year, I would believe is harder. At least this year they can stay at their house. They get to drive their toys, their cars, but yeah, it is. I don't want to call it fluky, but yeah, this year it's a lot of random things happening that I don't, I don't think would happen in a normal season. A lot of, in a lot of soft tissue injuries, which we knew was going to happen when they, when they decided to have that short turnaround, we knew there were going to be a lot more soft tissue injuries because it's human nature. The more you strain, the more you're on your body. Uh, I mean, the more you're on your feet running, taxing yourself, the more you're going to have soft tissue injuries. And so that's what happened this year. And that's, I think that played a big role in why some teams were able to succeed and why some teams wasn't. All right, Norris, before we close up, you have anything else? Man, shout out to Heat Nation for supporting the team all year, supporting us here at Believe, and also supporting, you know, our Miami Heat. Um, the, t- the season obviously didn't end the way we wanted it to, but we were able to get fans back at the end of the season. Uh, we were able to, to make the playoffs, and um, I think we'll be able to build and go into having a full offseason finally. So we'll be able to, you know, recover. We'll be able to reconstruct some of the roster and come back next year, you know, with the better season. And I'm still available as well. You know, Spo, I'm ready. I'm still fast. I'm still competitive as ever. And I'm more seasoned now. So, hey, I'm ready. <laughs> we'll make sure we clip that and get that out there. We, we need Norris back in Miami. For sure. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this was our, our first edition together. We had a great time talking basketball. We'll be doing this every week, uh, talking through the offseason and then heading into the season next fall. I'll be here before you know it. Another, not as short as last time, but still a pretty short off season compared to normal. So thanks for tuning in to believe in Miami heat and we out. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.